Isaiah 8, 11 through 22. Here's the word of the Lord. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to understand it, and to, to believe it, and to submit to it this morning. pray that you would bring um, good fruit from our time together. Here in Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so, the year is 735 B.C. The nation of Judah is in a huge mess. We saw last week that King Ahaz, and for the most part, the rest of the nation followed him in this, King Ahaz has, has turned his back on God. He, and, the, he and, and, and for the most part, the nation of Judah, they refuse to trust God. They refuse to believe His promises. They refuse to obey Him. They refuse to worship Him. They refuse to honor Him. They have abandoned God. So, their nation is in a huge mess and it is just getting worse and worse. Isaiah is watching things unfold just as God said that they would. God has told Isaiah, and his God, God has told the people through Isaiah, if you are not firm in your faith, if you do not believe and trust and obey the Word of God, then you will fall just like the other nations around you. But they have not listened to the warning through the prophet. And so now... The nation that he loves so much is is crumbling before Isaiah's very eyes. But, even though his nation is crumbling, Isaiah himself is determined to live for God. Isaiah is determined to honor God, to obey God, to believe the word of God, to trust the promises of God. Isaiah is determined to live for God. And it's almost like in this 
in this passage of Scripture, Isaiah is going to like the, 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 the community center. He's going to the middle of town and he's hanging up a notice. Who wants to join with me? Isaiah is saying, I am going to live for God. Who else wants in? Who is interested in joining with me? The sermon this morning is, is if you want to be among those who live for God, then here's what you must do. Because you're going to see, not, this is not a, 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 this is not only a 735 BC problem, this is a 2022 problem. You're going to see people around you who have chosen to and are determined to stagger around in darkness. They have chosen to trust in anything else but God. The Word of God is just not important to them. It's not relevant to them. They don't get it. They don't like it. They don't want it. So they are staggering around in darkness. This was a problem in Isaiah's day. It's a problem in our day. So Isaiah is saying to his people, and he's saying to us this morning, if you want to live for God in the midst of whatever else happens around you, if you want to live for God, then here's what you must do. There are three things you must do. The first one, the first one, you must walk in the fear of the Lord. You must walk in the fear of the Lord. In verse 11, the Lord spoke thus to me, Isaiah says, with his strong hand upon me. In other words, the, the, this is, the, the Lord is very emphatic. He is, he is laying this heavy on the heart of Isaiah and warned me not to walk in the way of this people. In verse 12, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. And He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Isaiah is saying, do you want to be among the remnant? Do you want to be among this group of people who are going to live for the Lord? Then the first thing you must do, you must walk in the fear of the Lord. To fear the Lord means to, to believe that, that He is indeed the Lord. To live as if He is indeed the Lord. I, Isaiah, we've, we've, this, our, this Christmas series, we've, we've looked at Isaiah 6, and we've looked at Isaiah 7, and, and these chapters have forced us to, to wrestle with, with some things. If we're going to believe Isaiah 6 then we're going to have to believe that God is unimaginably holy. That God is so holy that even the sinless angels cannot bear to look at Him. God is, God is unthinkably holy. And then Isaiah 7 taught us that God is so powerful, He is so sovereign that he can use a nation like Assyria 
to carry out his purposes. If you remember, Assyria was the, they were the great crisis of the age. They were the great problem. They were the great, what are we going to do about this? Assyria was, they were the bully on the block. What are we going to do about Assyria? They are going to come and they are going to take us out. What, we need a plan. And all of the plans around were awful. They were terrible. We saw that last week. Nobody had a good plan. So what Isaiah is asking us to do is he's asking us to say, well, don't stop, stop looking at Assyria and I want you to look just behind Assyria because Assyria is simply the razor in the hand of God. That's what Isaiah 7 says. Are you going to fear the razor or are you going to fear the barber? You go to the, you go to the barber, back in the day they had those nice Sharp razors, you know, like on Andy Griffith's show. That just would freak me out going, you want to shave? No, I do not want to shave. No, thank you. I'd rather look like Grizzly Adams than have some other person just take a razor to my face. That's crazy. That belongs back in the black and white television days, right? That does not belong right now in my life. No, don't want it. I don't want that. Imagine sitting there and... What Isaiah wants his people to see is that God is holding the razor. When God sets that razor down, when he sets Assyria down, they're done. They're useless unless he picks them up. Are you going to be afraid of the razor that's just sitting there with the rest of the barber equipment? Or are you going to fear the one who wields the razor? Who are you going to be afraid of? Isaiah is saying to his people, think with me. Please think with me. you got to see this right. You have to see this right. The people around you are afraid of the razor. They're not even looking at the barber. We've got to see this right. Don't dread, don't fear what the people around you fear. You live in fear of the Lord. Let him be your dread. Let him be your dread. If you want to fear, if you and I want to fear what the, what the people around us fear, we can just hop on the internet. There is story after story after story. And even if you don't go to news sites, your friendly friends on Facebook will share the stories for you. So that they can just make sure that you're, you're as afraid as they are. And it's not like the stories are lying. There is all kinds of things to be concerned about. We can talk, you and I can talk afterwards about, you know, which way we think the economy is going or what the U.S. government's been up to lately and, and what, we, what our thoughts are about that or, or some of the newest laws that have been passed. How do we feel? Do we, is there, is, are there concerns around us? Yes. But then you can even, you could just ignore the news, like the national news or the statewide news or the international news. You could ignore all that. You could just think about your own life. We have just within our own family and friends. We have health issues, we have financial issues, we have relational issues, we have things that we're concerned about just on a, just sort of an individual level. You want to be afraid? We can stir each other up to fear. We can stir ourselves up to fear. But the believer, the, the one who is intent on living for the Lord, must never, ever, ever forget that it is God who is holding the razor. God is the one we must fear. He, he is our biggest fear. So our deepest concern is that 
our children trust and follow Jesus. Our deepest concern is that we won't grow cold and apathetic toward God as we get older. Our our deepest concern is that we're not going to bring dishonor on the one who has saved us. Those are the kinds of things we care about. Those are the things that matter. Because God is the one that we reverence. National security, you can crack open a textbook and you can see national security comes and goes. You look at the history books, national security comes and goes. Economic prosperity comes and goes. Physical health comes and goes. The Lord will reign forever and ever. This is wonderful news for those who fear Him. And it is devastating news for those who reject Him. Verse 14 says, yeah, He will become a sanctuary. That's good news for us. He's a sanctuary. Yes, if God is our sanctuary, what else matters? But then we also see that He is a stone of offense in verse 14. A rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, to both houses of Israel. It's like Isaiah is saying, yeah, the north, they started all the trouble. They, they started the apostasy. But, but us in the south, we're not doing any better. Israel's bad. Judah's just as bad. God's going to get all of us, Isaiah is saying. It's, it's both sides. You can't say, oh, you know, Israel's worse. No. A trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Verse 15, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. So the Lord can either be your sanctuary, your, your place of complete and perfect and eternal protection, or He can be what ensnares you and what breaks you and what destroys you. To live in the fear of the Lord is to see that this is who the Lord is. To see that He is the only refuge we can trust. First Peter makes it clear that when, when Isaiah is talking about the Lord of hosts here, First Peter is going to grab hold of these verses, and First Peter and Peter's going to bring them right up into the New Testament. He's going to say, the Lord Jesus Christ is this Lord of hosts. He is the stone of offense. This is who it's, it, this is Jesus. If Jesus Christ and the salvation that he has paid for on the cross is your only hope in life and death, if He is your safety, if He is your sanctuary, then you are completely and eternally safe. But please listen carefully. If we refuse to find refuge in Jesus, then we will never ever find refuge from Jesus. If you are not safe in the Lord, then you will never be safe from the Lord. The the, the person who's living for the Lord realizes this. Yes, there's lots of things to be concerned about. But here is my fear. My fear, my reverence. The one that matters is the Lord. So you live in the fear of the Lord. That's first. You're going to live for the Lord. You must live, you must walk in the fear of the Lord. Second, you must hold to the word of the Lord. You must hold to the word of the Lord. Verse 16 says, bind up the testimony... Seal the teaching among my disciples. Isaiah says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. Isaiah is saying, yes, things are going to get bad here. Things are, things are about to get bad. The Lord is hiding his face from Judah. This is not going to go well. So what are we going to do? We're going to bind up the testimony. We are are going to grab hold of the Word of God. We are are going to protect it. We are going to keep it. We are going to preserve it. We are going to believe it and love it. 
And we are going to long for the day when people want to hear it again. We're going to be ready. We're going to be ready with it. Isaiah says, here I am. And the, me and the, the children that God has given me. God has given Isaiah these two sons. And, and, and they're these sons that are signs that, that God is indeed going to keep His Word. Isaiah's, uh, Isaiah has these two sons with him and they have these constant reminders that God is indeed going to keep His Word. You can bank on it. So that's what Isaiah is going to do. He's going to say the, the Word of God is going to be hidden in our hearts so that we don't sin against God. We're going to have the Word of the Lord sealed and bound up among us. We're going to be people of the Word. And one day, I know one day, people are going to be ready to hear it again. I know it. He says, he says to his friends here, he says, don't inquire of the mediums and the necromancers. These, these would have been outlawed anyhow, but they were still very common. We, when the days get dark, the days get dark, and, and the Lord has hidden his face from Judah, and so there's a darkness that's settling over the nation. And so there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of, what do we do? Isaiah says, when you're confused, when you're worried, when you're looking for answers, when you're trying to figure out how to live, you don't go to the mediums and the necromancers, you skip the psychics, you, you skip all that, and what does he say in verse 20? To the teaching, and to the testimony. This is like saying, to the bat cave. We're running here. Where do we go? We go to the teaching. We go to the Word of God. The instruction and the law. We go to the Word of God. We run straight to it. We skip the psychics. We skip Miss Cleo. You guys remember Miss Cleo? Maybe that was just a Lansing, Michigan thing. There was a lady named Miss Cleo. Um, her commercials were on all the time. And we loved them. I think we even pretended we were her sometimes. Um, she just had all the answers, right? She was like a psychic or something. Um, it was a lot of fun. But I think she might have been just a Lansing thing, so this is just me having a private moment of nostalgia here all by myself. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Okay, I'm back. Skip all that. Run straight to the Word of God. So it is fine and it is good for us to seek counsel and advice from other human beings. But when that counsel and that advice steers you away from the Word of God, then you run from that counsel and you run to the Word of God. This is even if it's just kind of happening in your own heart and your own mind. Like, there, there are times where someone will say, well, I've, I've prayed about this. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. And I'm going to do this thing. I'm like, well, that thing is against the Word of God. Yeah, but I've prayed about it. I feel real good. I, I don't care how much you've prayed. I don't care how good you feel about it. Don't do it if, it, if it's against the Word of God. Don't do it. You don't, you don't run to your feelings. You run to the Word of God. And if your feelings are taking you away from the, 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 the Word of God, then run from them. To the, to the teaching. To the testimony. You, you, you've got to hold to the Word of God. If you're going to live for the Lord, you must hold to the Word of the Lord. Because look at what happens. Let's finish verse 20. To the teaching, to the testimony. Look what happens. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. And then 21, they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. So 
follow this. They're, they're, they're shaking their fist at God, and so God gives them what they deserve. They don't like what they deserve, so they shake their fist at God. Verse 22, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. This is what happens. This is what happens when we ignore the word of the Lord. It is nothing but darkness out there. So Isaiah is clear. If you want to live for the Lord, you must walk in the fear of the Lord, and you must hold to the word of the Lord. And then third, you must live by the grace of the Lord. Verse 20 again, to the teaching and to the testimony. And then look at this. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. If they will not speak according to this word, if they will not hold tight to the word of God, if they will not find their truth there, it is because they have no dawn. And here we have the fundamental difference. Here we have the essential difference. You have a group of people who are living for the Lord, and you have a group of people who are not interested in that at all. What is the difference between these two groups of people? It is dawn. It is light. It is light. Those who refuse to live for the Lord, they refuse Him because the light has never dawned upon them. The light has never broken through their darkness. This is their great need. They need the light to shine upon them. And this light has to come from somewhere outside of them. These, these people, and, and so, like, I've got about four minutes and 45 seconds left here. Just hang with me for another almost five minutes. Because we've got to get this. These people who are walking in darkness, they need exactly what you and I need. 2 Corinthians 4 sums this up perfectly. Paul is talking about his gospel. and He's he's, he's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's talking about trying to get people to believe it. Trying to convince people of, of Jesus and of their need for a Savior. He's trying to get people to find their refuge in Him. He's trying to say to them, if you do not find your refuge in Jesus, you will never find refuge from Him. He is either your great sanctuary or he is your stumbling block and your snare and the one who will destroy you. Paul's trying to get people to get this. And he says in, first, in 2 Corinthians 4, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of of God. And then, and then Paul says, well, how did, how did we get it? How did it happen for us? He says down in verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, here's what we needed. We needed the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to break through our darkness and our blindness. We needed a light that we could never have manufactured on our own to shine down upon us. See, you and I would love to, well, I, I'm not necessarily going to lump you in, but you probably, you're probably in here with me. We would love to just kind of be, automatically assume that we're among the good people, right? We'd love to automatically assume that we're in the category of those who believe. Of course we're the people who live for the Lord. Of course we fear Him. Of course we walk, hold to His Word. Of course we are. 
That's not how the Bible describes us. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Titus 3 lets us know, here's who we were. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. That's what we needed. We needed needed Jesus to appear to us. Left on our own, we would have chosen darkness every single time because that's what was in us. We needed light to dawn on us. And that's what the incarnation of Jesus Christ is all about. Next week, you have the opportunity for a Merry Christmas because you get to spend some of it with me. You are welcome. That is my gift to all of you. Time with Steve. Thank me later. Or don't mention it. But next week, we're going we're gonna to take a good look at Isaiah 9. Um, which is the reason I wanted to preach these first few chapters, is just to get to this one. But then I've learned a whole bunch of cool stuff along the way, and I've been glad we've taken this little journey here. Isaiah 9 is great. But look at how it starts. There, but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. Then it goes on to say, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. This is the beauty of the incarnation because, because the way chapter 8 ends is these, these people have been thrust into thick darkness and it's their fault. They, they, will, they, have, they have shaken their fist against God. So he has said, fine, here's the darkness that you want. Here it is. You're going to go, you're going to, you're going to know distress and you're going to know hunger and then you're going to be mad at me because you have gotten what you deserve. Here is the darkness that you deserve. Verse 22, and they will look to the earth, but behold, I love this. I love what Isaiah does here. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. So you, you end chapter 8 with the gloom of anguish, and then you start chapter 9, but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. Because she was awesome and she figured it out. She's so smart. Good for her. She got there. I knew she could do it. No. It's because God sent His Son. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. We deserve to be thrust into thick darkness and just to stay there. That's what we deserve. But what has God done in His grace? He has sent the light. He has sent His Son. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If we are among those who live for God, who believe His promises and live for His glory, then yes, we must Walk in the fear of the Lord. We must hold to the word of the Lord. And if we're going to do any of that stuff, then we desperately need the grace of the Lord. We need the great light to dawn upon us. Left to ourselves, we are staggering around in thick darkness. We we desperately need Jesus to come and do exactly what He did. He was born of a virgin. He's, he's completely God, completely man. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And He lived the perfect life that we were commanded to live 
that, but that, that we could not and would not live. We didn't want to, and we, even if we wanted to, we couldn't. So he lived the life that we should have lived. And then he bled and died on the cross that we deserved. He took the punishment that we deserved to pay for our sins. All we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on, on Him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. Christ has paid. He has, he has paid for our sin. Please believe this. Please believe that, that you deserve to be thrust into thick darkness. And, and not just confusion and chaos in this world. You, you deserve to be thrust into the thick darkness of hell. But Jesus Christ has, has died. He has died to, to, to take the punishment of your sins. The punishment that I deserve. Left to my own devices, I would be staggering around in darkness and I'd be mad about it. As if it wasn't my fault. That's who I am all by myself. But the Lord has laid on Christ my iniquities. Please believe the Gospel. Please turn to Christ as your Savior. The light has come. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. So that being justified by His grace, being being made right, being made right, being forgiven, having our slate of all of our wickedness against God, having that slate just wiped clean, having it erased, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus can be your eternal sanctuary, perfect safety and perfect peace and perfect joy forever, or He can be the one who destroys you. He can be the one that sends you into eternal thick darkness. Please trust Christ as your Savior. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you don't pull your punches. That you don't say the stuff that we would like to hear. Because... We don't need the stuff that we would like to hear. We need the truth. We thank you that your word is packed full of it. We thank you that your spirit helps us to understand and to believe. So we pray that you would do that good work this morning. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we have sanctuary and safety in him forever. If there's anyone who doesn't believe that, I pray that you would help them today to believe it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.